it's Steve and Dave again. We are Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. No doubt we all want to catch more fish. I want to, and Dave needs to. Ooh, that hurts. But we're all about fly fishing and our love for the outdoors. So let's get after it. Today, we want to talk about lighter fly rods, and Dave, I thought I should come up with a snappy title. I, I think you're really going to be impressed. I have some different options here. One, we could call this episode, Heavy Thoughts About Lighter Rods. Hmm, <laughs> yes, we could. Yeah, yes, that's we could. very Let's creative. Let's keep moving. Uh, okay, how about, you know, what was that old book or saying, The Lightness of Being? We could say, The Lightness of Being dot dot yeah. dot a fly fisher with a lighter fly rod yeah that doesn't work either no okay all right how about this go light old man lighten up dude you're the old man i'm not the old man steve is well, is older is older than i am yeah four months yeah uh, four yeah. well that that in dog years that's what um that's <laughs> that's probably three or four years older yeah but as old as we are it's nothing dave yeah and you actually took the last one Lighten up, dude. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so, well, th thanks. <laughs> the only good one I had on the whole list, and you already said it. Thanks a lot. Oh, man. So, well, hey, we, we are, are trying to re off a script here. <laughs> no, sort of, yes. Well, we are talking about lighter fly rods. I think we've established that. <laughs> and uh, Dave and I each have a lighter fly rod that we, we like, but they're different in size and brand. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Dave has a Sage Dart, uh, seven and a half foot three weight, and I have an Orvis Recon. It's an eight and a half four weight. And, you know, typically uh, the, the staple for 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 flishing, flishing or fishing, fly fishing for trout is, uh, uh, we like the nine foot six weight, although we've talked about this before, the nine foot five weight is probably the universal standard. But uh, some situations, it's, it's kind of fun to use a lighter rod. So we'll talk about that. Maybe this will help you if you're thinking about getting a lighter fly rod or if you have. So why don't we start with uh, Dave, why did you get your sage dart? How did you get it? Just what are the circumstances behind that? So the idea for a smaller rod really originated because of all the days that we fish the driftless. So, uh, and that's the, the section. Uh, just to explain, if you haven't listened to us before, in uh, southeast, southwest Wisconsin, southeast Minnesota, where where the the glaciers didn't drift through and flatten everything, hence driftless. Yeah, yeah. in northeast, uh, in nor in northeast Iowa. That's right. I've yeah. never fished those streams. I heard there's some really good fishing yeah. up there as well. But uh, we spent a lot of days, you know, I would argue if I fished 20, 25 days a year, I don't think I fished 25 days, probably 20 days a year, a good 15 out of those 20 days yeah. or 15 out of those 22 days are in the driftless. Right. So and they're small spring creeks. They're yeah. small spring creeks. Yeah. And so... Um, so a couple of years ago, I started giving away my, I had some, I had an eight and a half five weight and then an, I think another eight and a half five wood, five weight. And I gave both those rods away, one to my, my uh, nephew, Stephen, and then one to Corey, my son, I think it was a year ago. He was, hey dad, I, I'm thinking about going fly fishing. He was going to fish for bass. And so I gave him one of my rods. And so I realized, you know, all I really have is the nine foot six sage, which I use on the big rivers in the West. And I have a nine foot eight weight, 
which is obviously for bigger fish if you're fishing some of the salmon or steelhead up here in in the midwest or wherever um and then i have uh, my euro rod and i thought you know i i'm running out of rods here now i am not a person that likes a thousand rods right. remember who was that that guide that we were with out of west yellowstone he said he had like was it a 60 or 100 rods? Yeah. yeah I forget his yeah. name. but So I tend to be a minimalist. Yeah. I, I'm at that point in my life where I want simplicity, not complexity. I yeah. don't want to be looking at nine rods. So um, so I was look, I started to look at different rods. I started looking at the Winston Air rod. Uh, they have a, a, a nice, uh, at the, it's just a lightweight rod. I was looking at an eight and a half four weight. I think you can also get it in an eight foot four weight with Winston. Okay. And then um, I was looking at t the Tom Morgan rods and I mm -hmm. looked at an eight foot four weight there, but those rods are pretty expensive. They're yeah. over 1500, 1600. They're probably even more now because, you know, demand in fly fishing only increases the prices. So anyway, I was walking, at, we were in Fins and Feathers and Bozeman and our friend Toby who runs a shop and I ran into him and I said, hey, Toby, I'm looking at this. What, what would you recommend? He says, I've got the rod for you. And he showed me the sage dart. And I didn't even fish with it. I had fished your eight and a half foot four weight before. Yeah. But I just, it just felt so good. So he said, yeah, I'd, I recommend this with the sage click reel. So I got the rod and I have never looked back. So uh, it's just, it's an amazing, uh, really an amazing piece of technology yeah. and we could talk about that in a little bit yeah. so how about you so how did you get to an eight and a half four weight well you know i i have an orvis recon thanks to the 25 year guarantee that orvis has so back in 2003 um when i lived in the bozeman area i bought an orvis it was a tls that was the rod they had at a time it was an eight and a half four weight and, and I had been fishing with a nine foot six weight and, and kind of the same thing. Toby's store was, it was fairly new. In fact, I, he tells me I bought the first rod he ever sold. It was like, a, I don't know, it was a year or two before that. I bought that nine foot six weight, but I wanted something smaller. And so he recommended that eight and a half foot four weight. And I, I've loved it. It was great. Now, the problem was uh, in 2019, I, I know I've told the story on a previous episode. I was fishing in Colorado, uh, west of Denver. I was fishing Bear Creek, just above Morrison, Colorado, the Red Rocks Amphitheater. You, you spent time there, Dave. Oh, yeah. That's you fished a great that a ton. Place, yeah. So I'm, I'm fishing that, and it's, it's, not, uh, you know, it's not a huge uh, creek, but uh, there was a lot of water coming down that day. It had rained, and I slipped on a rock and I, I let go of my rod and I thought, well, you know, no big deal. I'll grab it. Well, I couldn't find it. I lost my rod and the, the water was colored and, you know, I was out there with my brother and my, my son and they came and we could not find that thing. And I thought, well, great. So much for that. So, uh, you know, we fished some other things the next couple of days, but a couple of days later we came back. The water level had gone down, and I found the rod. What? We found it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was at a place where I kind of expected it to be, where we had actually looked, but the water had gone down enough. There was this. That there was this kind of this long brush pile in the river. There, there was a log that had fallen, and then some other brush had built up. But it was kind of down at the bottom of this, and. I think it was my son who reached down and found it. 
but the tip section was broken. So, uh, you know, that's where this 25-year rod guarantee comes in. Man, I, I sent great. it in. And what Orvis will do, and I'm assuming some of the others will do the same, they will, they will send you, uh, you know, if they still have in their back stock, they'll send you the rod that you, uh, that you had. In fact, I have to confess, that was my second TLS rod because, uh, well, years before, I, I don't know how it happened, uh, the, the tip section broke. I mean, sometimes you know what you did. I, I stepped on my nine foot six one time in the dark when it was by my fly tying bench, so that was a stupid thing. But the, the rod tip on this TLS had broken once before, so, I, so they sent me another TLS, that's what they do. Well, this time around, they must have been out of those, so they'll send you the comparable model. And, and this was sort of their midline you know, model, and, and so the, the new one was a recon, so they sent me this, uh, uh, this Orvis Recon, and it's, you know, I, I was really bummed to lose the TLS because that performs so well, but the Recon is the same. So it's kind of the mid, the, the mid-level uh, Orvis, not the, not the cheapest model, but not the most expensive, and I, I really like it. So let's talk about upsides then of our, of our rods. Why don't you go first? Talk about your Sage Dart. What is it that you really like about it? I, I do know that, as, we, as you mentioned, the, the nine foot uh, five weight tends to be the most common trout rod. Trout rod. And today people fish for everything. And so I, I don't know if it's the most common rod anymore, but it certainly is for trout. People tend to buy the nine foot five weight. And it becomes a rod you can fish in the West, you can fish it in the Driftless. But I really wanted something truly lighter. And the upsides are obviously the play that you feel with the fish. You know, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, 70-80% of my days are really catching fish between 8 inches and 14 inches. In the drift list, they talk about yeah. the, you know, those big browns that, that you eventually get in the spring creek. My biggest fish, I may have caught a 17-incher in the drift list, but I've never caught anything bigger than that. Yeah. I've, I've caught a lot of fish there. It's just that, so most of my days are not catching these monsters. And so when I do go to Montana, obviously I fish my 9-foot-6 for the most of the days out there. So... Um, so I don't know why it is, but this seven and a half three weight just feels like a much simpler rod in part mm. because, you know, you can't, you know, if there's wind, it's not really great. It's not, you can't put it on the big rivers. Um, and so I do have less options. So when I'm fishing that, I don't know why it makes me feel like it's so simple, but it, it, and it can, what's really great about this rod is I was worried that wouldn't be able to handle a streamer really well and it can i've been really surprised hmm. how yeah. well i can toss a streamer so i i was so surprised that i yeah. liked this seven and a half yeah. three weight and i think you said didn't you when you were researching this that the winston is it the air there yes their seven and a half uh three weight is a super rod for dry flies but it really doesn't handle streamers that's that right well. that's right and that was one of my big yeah. concerns because in the driftless often i mean <laughs> You're, at some point, you're always resorting back to a streamer mm -hmm. because you know nothing else is working, and so streamer fishing in the driftless is really important to me. So yeah, that was what you're right. I forgot about that. It was one of the reasons why I didn't pursue the Winston Air because I said, you know, this is the perfect dry fly rod. I'm yep. thinking, really, because I I need to be able to throw streamers. So 
you know, I, the only thing I'll mention is that I did fish it on the East Gallatin. In, in the, uh, we did a, a, seri- uh, a one fine day on the East Gallatin recently. I used it that day. If I had it to do over again, I probably would have used my nine foot six. Now the fish were smaller, so it wasn't that. It was way. It was way the. It was the way the banks and the way how far the the stream bed was from the banks, and because of how steep the banks were, you really had to sling that thing in many ways at least 30 to 50 feet. And you had you to get your back cast up, didn't you? Because you know if you were down. I mean, the, the river was, what, three feet below the bank? Yeah, it, it really was. So, yeah. So but, if, you need to, if, you're, if you need to regularly throw more than 40 yeah. feet, it's not the rod for you, Yeah. right? No. But you, one thing, too, I remember you saying, you, you just felt like it, it kind of has pinpoint accuracy, it doesn't really it? It really does. Yeah. I, I would be the last person to be a a spokesperson for pinpointing accuracy in my fly fishing. Yeah, but I will say I'm the this, same way. This, yeah. this has really made me into a much better fisherman. I Last fall, I used it uh, fishing the Blue River in the Wisconsin. I was by myself that yeah. day. I probably had the best fish day, fishing day I've ever had on the Driftless. They yeah. were just hitting. I had a, a large caddis, well, not large, 14, uh, size 14 caddis, yeah. and I dropped a, uh, I think it was a, a zebra midge. And the way I was fishing, I had I was I was probably ten to fifteen feet off the bank kneeling, mm-hmm. and I had to throw it over almost a little rise to get it right against the bank. And with that little seven and a half three weight, I tell you what, it it it's a miracle. It's a miracle rod. I would really highly yeah. recommend. And in tight spaces. Oh, tight spaces. A, yep. Your casts are tighter. I, again, I'm not a I'm not a great caster, but it made me into a better caster. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, let me talk about uh, the the upsides of uh, that sage or that that uh, Orvis Recon that I have, and uh, this this was a replacement rod, as I mentioned. So I think I have an older version of the Recon, uh, and not the latest. They have a Recon too, and the reason I suspect that is because my Recon has that hook keep above the handle, but. But Orvis has removed that in all their newer models, so it doesn't get in the way of shooting line. That's not a problem I've ever had, but uh, they don't have that hook keep anymore. Well, mine does. So I think I have the older huh. version, maybe the original Recon, which makes sense because, you know, you, you lose your or you break your rod, you're, they're going to give you the comparable model. Anyway, this rod is light, and I like the action. It's, it's fairly fast, a lot like my Winston Boron 2X. That's the 9'6 weight. Now, I've heard that the Recon 2 is even faster and performs better, but I doubt I could tell the difference. Uh, what I like is that this rod works great in the Driftless, uh, where Dave and I frequently fish, but it's heavy enough to use on Montana rivers and even throw small streamers if I need to. So, yeah, that's that. Now, how about the downsides of these rods, Dave? How about your, your sage dart? What would, you, uh, yeah, what would you say about that? Well, I've alluded to this. Uh, this is not a big river rod, and it's not a big wind rod. In fact, just last week I was out fishing, uh, winter fishing in, uh, in Wisconsin, and it was a windy day, and it was, uh, the wind was from my, the wind was going towards what I was casting. you think it'd be easier because you could cast farther, but I kept getting that nymph tangled, and I was just a little bit frustrated. 
in part that's because of the you know the size of the rod now the other large 90% of it's because my lousy fishing but um, it, it is not this this seven and a half three weight is not a big river rod and I don't know that I'll ever take it out to Montana again uh, like I did last year yeah. and I fished as I mentioned the East Gallatin with it so it's it's not and it's not great in wind but given I don't know. It's just there's not generally a ton of wind in the driftless. Yes, there's wind, not like yeah. there is in the west. So yeah, it's just made for something a specific use. It's yes, not a, it's a really specific right. use for yep. rod, and I'm finding I'm going to use it a lot. So yeah. how about you? Well, I was going to ask you first. Now, the Sage Dart's a three-piece rod, right? So the the rod tube's a little bit longer. I was wondering, could that be an issue if you're flying and you're trying to fit it into your suitcase or duffel bag? Well, I carry my, you know, I walk, when I go into the plane, I now carry it because it is, it, certain duffel bags, if you don't have a longer, uh, or especially a, a, an actual suitcase, if that thing's not a longer, you can't get that in there because it is longer. That three-piece is longer than the four-piece tube, obviously. Well, let's see. Downsides of the, uh, yeah, my Orvis Recon. Well, one is that it's not an Orvis H3. <laughs> Yeah, I true. actually I actually bought the more expensive model, the H3 for my son Ben when he completed his MBA. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. No, yeah, seriously, yeah. Why would you do that? I know I could have given him my recon. Yeah, yeah just, oh he would never know the difference. Yeah. Seriously though, I I really like the recon so much that I'm not scheming to how to upgrade. You know me, I'm yeah, always I know scheming, you're scheming. To, to do that, but I. You know, I've read that it has less expensive components than the H3, so the the H3's performance is even better. But again, like you, I, I'm not sure I could tell the difference. You know, sometime when I'm fishing with my son Ben, I'll I'll switch rods with him and see if I can really notice a big difference. But I don't know. Even that's hard to know because I, I don't think you can compare unless you're using the same reel and the same line. So, yeah, what's the biggest fish you've caught on your sage dart? I've caught a 16-inch brown on it, and I caught it in the driftless. And it was probably one of the bigger fish I've ever caught in the driftless on that thing. It did bend it. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was looped. But, yeah. I, and I probably think I could catch a, you know, an 18-incher. I certainly don't think I could. I could not bring in those browns we were catching this fall. Oh man, you know, yeah, in, uh, in yep. Yellowstone Park. So that'd be tough. There are limits to it, and yeah. my guess is if I ever really hooked into like a 20-inch uh, brown or bigger in the driftless, I might be in trouble. But up to this point, the benefits far outweigh any of the oh, yeah. downsides. So, yep. how about you? I just want to say about your uh, Orvis Recon. I remember we were fishing the Boulder a couple of years ago. Maybe it was. Um, in 2020, the year we didn't have that great year, but I remember fishing it uh, using your rod for maybe an hour. It mm -hmm. was, I really loved that recon. Yeah. I have to say, when I after I got, I, I was doing some Euro nymphing, so I had my Euro rod, and then I went back to Steve's uh, uh, the the recon, That's the right. eight and a half yeah. four weight. I, I thought I was in heaven. It's such a great dry fly rod. I thought it was just perfect for dries. It really is. Yeah, and as far as fish I've caught on it, probably the, you know, on this rod, the biggest fish I've caught was one of those ones on the East Gallatin this year. I mean, that one rainbow was 18, 19 inches, and that was fun. I mean, it, that was, uh, you know, the, the, that rod handled it well, but it was, it was certainly... Uh, um, 
yeah, close to being maxed out. Well, and plus the type of fish, yeah, that steelhead like right. rainbow those fighters, yeah. those fighters, yeah. And I don't know. There were a couple times on the East Gallatin when I lived in Montana where I, I don't know, I, w- I was into similar fish, you know, eighteen to twenty inches. I can't remember, and you know, on that TLS, and it does handle them well. But uh, yeah, it's it's quite an experience. So I guess what we've learned is that fly fishing with a lighter rod can be a great experience as long as the rod matches the conditions. And that's the key, isn't it? Uh, the rod has to match the conditions. Lighter rods are not all-around rods. Uh, if, if you simply want an all-around rod, don't go lighter. But if you have a, you know, a 9'5 or a 9'6 weight, um, and you're going to be fishing some smaller spring creeks or, or you're going to be fishing some small rivers and doing... A lot of dry fly fishing. It is nice to have a smaller rod in it your is. arsenal. It is. Yep. So that's right. So I guess, you know, what, what's our takeaway? Lighten up, dude. Is that it? There you go. Man, that's bad, there Steve. There you Ooh, go. Oh, that's I, really bad. I thought you were going to say it was good. Yeah. No. Well, anyway, it's time now for great hacks from our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. That masterpiece that should be on everyone's wish list. That masterpiece. Yes. In right. our it's humble a classic. opinion. Yes. Classic in our own so mind. what we're going to do today is to share, have a little fun and share the list of eight stupid things we've done while fly fishing. Actually, nine stupid things because I forgot to write down the page number. Here we go. I found it. So eight stupid things we've done while fly fishing. Uh, here we go. Some days you just have to wonder why we're such idiots. That's right. Number one, Steve leaves his fly rod on the top of the truck in the parking lot. He regretted his lack of mindfulness about a mile into the hike to the river, and unfortunately, it was and, and fortunately, it was still there. But the delay meant that another fly fisher beat us to the spot we wanted to fish, which you have never stopped reminding me of, Dave. <laughs> I remember that day. It was Fan <laughs> yeah. Creek going up Fan Creek. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. All right. So the second stupid thing was me. I I snapped off the tip of my rod four miles into the back country of Yellowstone National Park. Literally, we had. We're just yards from fishing, and I was scrambling up this this uh, little cliff, and yep, I had it out, had it in my hand, and snapped it off. So fortunately, it only took off the little top of the tip part. So oh, I man. fished the rest of the day with a fly rod with no tip on it, and and since the fish, they were all uh, these uh, football uh, size cutthroat, yeah, and we were only fishing this run right in the middle of it. I only had to cast out maybe. 15 feet yeah and i was catching fish so i was fortunate but yeah it was a stupid thing you were now this must be a misprint because underneath it it says he remind dave reminds steve that he still figured out a way to outfish him that day i think i did boy that's not the way i remember (laughs) it but it's a little editorial license no you probably did outfish me that day all right so here's number three steve takes his eight-year-old brother on a dangerous hike around upper two medicine lake near glacier national park yeah, the fishing always looks better on the other side of the lake, and this notion causes anglers like Steve to lose their common sense. I think you wrote that, Dave. <laughs> it doesn't look too steep, Steve thinks. I he was f- the editor yes, of this book. <laughs> as he fears for their lives while peering into the abyss of the lake. Oh, man, that's true. I mean, it, it, you know, this was a lake that was at Timberline, and so... Uh, part of it, I didn't realize, but when we're walking around and I, I figured out, oh man, it's just the sheer cliff, uh, the, the sheer rock wall of this lake that's coming right down. And 
there, there was no bank, so we're holding on to stuff, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I can't let my brother drown. Thankfully, we, we're okay. All right, so the next stupid thing was uh, I left my rod on the top of Steve's little red truck. And so we were fishing in the spring, and we were fishing, uh, gosh, we were on the Madison between Hepkin and uh, Quake yeah. Lakes, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, I was snowing out and distracted and, yeah, I've got everything in about, oh, about 10, 20 miles down the road. I went, huh? my fly rod. Sure enough, it had been left. We went back, couldn't find it. And I got a new fly rod as a result. Yeah, I I wonder if there was was that on purpose. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, and, or maybe not. And the point is, we drove off. So, Dave, at least when I leave a rod on the top of the truck, <laughs> we don't drive off anywhere. So you're better than I am. Yeah, well, it, slightly. Actually, that's going to happen at some point. <laughs> All right, here's number five. Oh, it's another Dave. We have a number of Daves here. Uh, Dave Fly. I'm sorry. Dave floats down the Yellowstone while waiting on the river's greased cannonballs. Actually, this is not a laughing matter, yeah. but now it is. Uh, he's lucky to be alive, although this time he eventually found his fly rod. Steve may or may not have laughed as Dave was splashing in the river. <laughs> oh, you man. know, the truth about that is that was so stupid. Uh, I mean, one, you have no business ever waiting the Yellowstone that far up on the Yellowstone. It is coming down so fast. And I remember I was greedy. I just caught in a, a, a cutthroat, and I was just I couldn't get out there fast enough. I was tossing it downstream. Uh, well, I was kind of yeah. I was throwing it downstream, and I lost my footing. I thought I was gone. I honestly yeah. thought I was dead. But anyway, that oh. was a stupid thing I did. Wow. Well, All right, so my next one is me too. Holy cow. Yeah. Dave leaves the car door open while fly fishing in Wisconsin. Drifting. Oh, yeah. I remember this that. This is so hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to this spot, and it was just like the funnest day ever. And we get back to the truck, and we're like, what? The car door is open. Did, did somebody get into our car? No, everything was still there. <laughs> I just walked off, started yes. fishing, and left the car door open for oh, a couple man. hours. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, we were kind of thankful. We were stunned and thankful that nothing was stolen. So, all right, number seven, we have two more. And once again, this one features Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave locks his keys in his car on a backcountry road near the scapegoat wilderness in Montana. Man, this is when we were about 20. Yeah, we were so about 20, 19 or 20. 20 years ago? Maybe well, about 20. Maybe about maybe 40 bit, years ago, huh? Maybe a little bit oh, longer. Oh, boy. So this was one of those things where you leave the car keys in and we're, we were fishing elk creek yeah. and um you know we had a great afternoon of fishing and caught a lot of fish come back you know you're you're feeling for your um well actually we put all our gear in right yeah slam the trunk down and you realize you left i left the keys in my oh, fly fishing man. vest and it took a while for that rant well it Finally, did it said yeah there's nothing like flagging down a rancher who drives by and then hearing the sound of his screwdriver and hammer punching the lock out of the trunk of your mint condition 1971 Nova. Oh, that, and that was oh, such that a was great sick, car. Wasn't it? Yes. That 71 Nova two-door. Yeah. It had a it had a power glide transmission. I never yeah. lost a race with that thing. Boy. I remember going at least one point it, the the mile uh, the odometer went up to 140. I remember burying it oh, once man. on a on a Montana wow. night. <laughs> anyway, oh, on a night. Oh, it was great, night yes. moonlit night. Shut the I shut the lights off on the car. Oh, great. <laughs> This is no oh, lie. Man. Anyway, that was another stupid thing. I was thing. not with you. <laughs> no, I'm, you I'm, weren't. I'm glad. I, <laughs> woo. Yeah. Well, boy, let's move on to number eight. That's too scary to think about. Okay, I get to say this one. So Steve and Dave walk 
willfully too close to a herd of bison <laughs> while returning from a day on the river near dark. So this was a really stupid thing we did. Yeah, but I mean, in our defense, what where else would we have gone? Yeah, we didn't really have any other options. Yeah. So we were hiking back. We Except were in Yellowstone to get into National the river. Park. Yeah. yeah. And there was a like a herd of bison in the trail. And I look up and Steve goes, what are we going to do? I said, ah, they're like milk cows. I said, let's just keep walking. They'll keep moving. Sure enough, all of them did what one bull. And then finally, we, when we got to 50 yards, he gets up and then starts walking toward us. <laughs> and we're like, what? Oh, boy. So we thought yeah, we're, yeah, we were headed down to the river. Like, yeah, we thought okay, we're, yeah. we're going to be. Uh, yeah. And the Yellowstone, right? So you can't wade the Yellowstone. The Yellowstone. No. Yeah. Anyway, that was a stupid thing we did. Oh, boy. Hey, well, we're still alive, dog. Hey, yeah, that's right. So I don't know what the moral of the story is other than, uh, uh, yeah, do what we say, not what we do. <laughs> yeah. Does there have to be a moral to every story? No, I guess not. Especially not, especially with not with one like this. Yeah, the, the moral of the story is we're stupid sometimes. <laughs> and we're still alive. That's right. Yeah, so oh, man. Yeah. Well, hey, that's all for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.